Hey everyone, welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky, more summer league review. Who's looking good, who's not? And D'Angelo Russell has waived his no trade clause for next year. Does that matter? You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everyone for making Locked On Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always going to be free and never behind a paywall. Locked On Lakers on YouTube. It's where you can go and hang out. Lots of reaction to the uh, show for Monday, talking about Anthony Davis playing the four versus the five. Comments from Rob Palinka. We'll try to get to some of those comments uh, before the show is over. Really appreciate when you guys join in the conversation on the Locked On Lakers YouTube page or at Cam Brothers, or on the iTunes page for Locked on Lakers, Andy. Uh, either way, we're getting up near 20,000 subscribers to the channel. Unbelievable support. Um, things growing real fast. So plenty to get to. Um, the, the D'Angelo Russell news was kind of a caught people's attention a little bit, that the structure of his contract, Andy, um, he had with that one-and-one. One, the rule is... If you have what is essentially a one-year deal with some sort of option, whatever it is, it comes with a no-trade clause. D'Angelo Russell apparently waived that clause. Are you surprised to hear it? Um, a little bit, yeah. And then first saw notice of this on uh, our friend Trevor Lane with uh, Lakers Nation on a video he was doing, and he got this information from Keith Smart at Keith Smart NBA, one of the best uh, cap guru guys out there. D'Angelo Russell's new two-year contract with the Los Angeles Lakers is guaranteed for $36 million, a league source told at Spotrick. The second season is a player option. Russell has seven hundred dollars in incentives in each season of the deal. In addition, Russell waived his implied no-trade clause. The reason that a player like D'Angelo Russell, who essentially has a one-year deal, it's a one-plus-one, the second mm -hmm. year being the player option, would have that implied no-trade clause is if a team traded for Russell because it's a one plus one they would lose his bird rights which could be disadvantaged uh, this could be disadvantageous for D'Angelo like that's a problem for him in terms of the money that he can get the upcoming season if he wanted to uh, renegotiate a new deal his team not having bird rights could affect the amount of money they could give him depending on their cap situation. Right. And it's done like that, that way to sort of avoid the sort of wink, wink, what ostensibly amounts to a sign and trade where, you know, a team says, you know, you sign with that deal, we'll give them to you two months into the year. And so it's, it's done to kind of prevent shenanigans. Right. Uh, and, you know, it, it occasionally does get invoked uh, about, I don't know, a dozen or so years ago, Devin George, of all people, three time uh, Laker champion with the uh, Kobe Shaq Lakers. He blocked a trade. He was a member of the Dallas Mavericks to the New Jersey Nets for Jason Kidd. Devin did not want to go to New Jersey. Who could blame him? And he said, I'm not doing it. And eventually, everybody knows, Dallas figured out a, a way to make that deal where they eventually got Jason Kidd. And they also eventually traded Devin George anyway. But um, the point being, this stuff can get sticky. Yep, And it's beneficial for both the Lakers and D'Lo 
that that they were able to work this thing out. You know, D'Angelo waived this no trade clause, but our suspicion is that he was given the player option in his deal as opposed to it being a team option in exchange for waiving that implied no it's trade clause. Yeah, and it's certainly one possibility. And I think another is like, and I forget who wrote this and it made sense. You know, there are a lot of different, like if it's going well, for D'Angelo and the Lakers next year, or this year, I should say. Next year is now this year. If it's going well this season for, for Russell, um, the Lakers aren't going to trade him. Like, you know, with that, you know, he might, Russell could opt out of his deal, but like, that's not, he wouldn't want to be traded. The Lakers wouldn't want to give him up because things are going well. He's playing well. He's filling the role that they need and all that kind of stuff. Um, if it's not, if for some reason he, you know, has, slipped out of the starting lineup or they like Gabe Vincent or he's just not shooting well or he doesn't chemistry doesn't fit whatever it might be it actually could help him to get traded to go somewhere and you know kind of boost up his value again obviously you know the bird thing matters and this that whatever but you know or go to a place where he would have an opportunity you pick up the option and and play it out but it it's hard to believe the Lakers in my mind at least would get rid of him in a good situation. Like maybe, I don't know what happens at the end of the season. I don't know, whatever, but like, I, I just, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because it, it's only if things are going wrong that you would want to make that move. And in which case it's probably in everybody's best interest to figure out a trade. This is the sort of thing that it, it you saw it even a little bit. I mean, most of it was joking, but like, you know, they announced every contract, every signing, every re-signing on one day, you know, over except for Russell who we, we suspected was on vacation. It turns out I think he was at a basketball camp or something that he made a, a, a commitment to, and he signed the next day. But in that, like, there was just that little inkling of like, hmm, does it mean something that they saw yeah, that they signed? I mean, nobody like really was really, because like this never happens where a team agrees to a contract or whatever and then turns around and either reneges on the contract or... You know, they end up trading him or whatever it is. Like that doesn't happen, but it, it illustrates how Russell and trade rumors are going to be just kind of constantly tied together. There's always going to be the 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 kind of cloud of potential movement with him. Um, and he, he seems like one of these guys that is just destined to be perpetually on Correct. the block. Yes, absolutely. And that's what I was going to say. It's like in that, and if he stays a Laker for two years or three years and goes somewhere else later, that team, he will perpetually be on the block because he's one of those guys who is very good. But especially if the playoff thing doesn't at least gain more consistency, you always feel like there's something better out there that you could get. You probably are wrong. But that's the feeling because Russell doesn't he doesn't engender that kind of goodwill, um, I think, around the league, at least perception wise. Yeah. And then you know, he, he's just he's also somebody that is just good enough that he can help you, even if, say, you traded for him in part to offload some salary you don't like or to get a, another pick that you need or right. whatever. He is a useful player to have. You know, he's 
he's been a polarizing player ever since he's been in the NBA, and he remains a really polarizing player. But if nothing else, this is beneficial for the Lakers in that, you know, unlike Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura, who were brought back, I think, to be at least for the next few years, permanent parts of this team, unless something unexpected happens where, all right, these are good guys, but we can upgrade here. This is a no-brainer. Let's just say, unexpectedly, Superstar X becomes available and you can get them, but it costs you Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Like They could be playing well and still move. But the point being is the Lakers brought them in with the idea of a long-term commitment by NBA standards, if nothing else, by today's NBA standards, if nothing else. D'Lo is not seen as that guy. That's yeah, the and I, I'm a bigger Russell fan. And I, I, in the same way that I'm very curious how the perception of Hachimura's play changes as a seven, it was $17 million, $17 million guy, paid essentially like a starter, whether he comes off the bench or not. I'm very interested to find out if the perception of Russell changes as he goes down from 13 to 17 or whatever the number is. Um, Because that kind of stuff matters. And I will tell you, by NBA standards, D'Lo, if he goes the rest of his career in that range, you know, that sort of, you know, sub-20, you know, as that guy, the value there, the value proposition is much different. Um, a bunch of big interesting news uh, from Summer League, from the play of Max Christie to the contract of Max Lewis. Um, we did not get a chance to get too deep into this for Monday's show, but we did want to talk about the progress those guys are making in some of the contract happenings. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by Ibotta, and you're picking up some burgers and hot dogs for the summer barbecue. Why not get some cash back with Ibotta? It's officially summer, and this new season means new clothes, but you can watch your cash back grow just like your wardrobe with Ibotta. Summer vacation ahead, but you're dreading buying all the necessities before you take off. Stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. You're already spending the money, so why not get some cash back for your troubles with Ibotta? Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back. Again, real cash back, not points that, let's be honest, nobody ever uses. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks just for trying Ibotta, trying it by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED, that's I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store, and use that code LOCKED. So before we get to uh, SPL play, um, if you haven't seen it, go find it on the on the uh, your your chosen social media purveyor. Uh, LeBron James coaching. It was Bryce's AAU team, correct? I believe it was um, on the sidelines projecting phenomenal coach slash dad energy. Um, I have to say, like my favorite LeBron clips are the ones where he's just like very obviously of a different generation than all the people he plays with. And, you know, somebody you know did some fun stuff just kind of breaking down like the different 
expressions and this and that that he had. It was really entertaining just to watch him coach, like deeply invested in like what's happening in this game. Um, I know some people are critical of it, I guess, because they worry it's steel shine. I like seeing LeBron, you know, present and involved in his kids' lives. Um, I like the message it sends. I, I'm sure his kids appreciate it too. I mean, look, LeBron's in a no-win situation when you are as truly, you know, 1% of the 1% in terms of visibility and fame. Like LeBron is about as famous as pretty much anybody walking the planet. So anything he does by definition is going to get attention. It's Mm -hmm. possible for LeBron to be involved in anything without people noticing. So either he gets involved in this and people notice LeBron's involvement or he stays out of it and then people wonder why is he not more involved in his kid's life. So again, there's really no way for him to truly finger quote win. So he might as well do the thing that makes him happiest and presumably that his kids enjoy and that and that they're comfortable with and that I would like to think his kids teammates are comfortable with that they that they or like their parents don't feel like they have no role on this team because all of the energy gets sucked up by LeBron's presence. Because let's be honest, LeBron does suck the energy out of a room, whether he's trying to or not. Right. Just, he just by does. Literally, because he's LeBron. Right. If he so sits in the stands and watches, everybody's yes. filming, so, you know, that. You, know, you hope that he is conscious and aware enough of allowing other parents to have, you know, their space. In this, in this yeah, team, I mean, as to well. whatever degree they do in an AAU right. team, it's not like AYSO soccer where the parents are the coaches. No, yeah. but but they still, if LeBron is going to have a presence to whatever degree, you know, coaching them up, doing whatever, then these other parents would have the right to do it too. All I'm saying is the the involvement, it needs to feel like they're comfortable with it too. Yeah. Like everybody's just comfortable. That's it. Um, so it was fun to see. It's a it's a it's a it's a fun and entertaining clip. Um, to see LeBron kind of in a, in a different context there I mean, worth worth finding. He's been very open about the idea of, I did not have a father in my life doing these things when I was young. It is extremely important to me that my children don't experience that. He's mm-hmm. talked about that a whole lot, and it's very clear how much he means it. Right. I mean, like, why should his kids necessarily sacrifice the stuff that other kids get to have just because? I mean... In the same way, there's like a LeBron tax on the on the kids. Like, oh, I can't do that with my dad because my dad is too famous for it. Well, that's not necessarily fair either. Um, Max Christie, uh, there's there are a lot of people wondering if he is in some ways becoming kind of the new version of Austin Reeves. So the guy who makes that leap from interesting kind of contributor in some ways comes back, you know, the second season and plays a huge role. Uh, on the Lakers and we've kind of touched on this and we'll continue to as the summer league goes on certainly into the preseason the difference between Max Christie as guy you want to play for 15 to 20 minutes a game versus guy you can play for 8 to 10 is huge for the Lakers and thus far all summer league caveats applying he looks much more like the guy you want to play rather than the guy you can play he's been really really good 
in this summer league. Like Max Christie has looked like a three-level scorer, somebody who can take the ball to the rack, who can hit outside shots, who can get to the line. He looks confident in orchestrating offense. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's you know become a point guard or a guy that you can just let run the show, but he definitely looks confident in facilitating or initiating sets, having the ball in his hands, looking for his teammates. You know, we'd already seen last year, even as a rookie, he has good defensive instincts. He's put on, he estimated 10 to 15 pounds since last year's summer league. I still think it's worth pointing out. He's younger than a great majority of the players he's playing against. I mean, I realize he's not the youngest anymore like he was last year, um, that, that honor now really kind of just belongs to, to Hood Shafino. He's in that group of really young players. Um, but, you know, Castleton is three years older than, than Max Christie. Like, there are a lot of guys that he's playing against right now that are the same age, that are a year older, 21, 22, 23. Um, and so it's not, it's not like he's doing this against babies so he just looks better than him. he's got the experience he looks confident he's just but he's also playing significantly better how jalen hood shafino plays in this you know it's you're obviously interested he's the highest draft pick the lakers have had in several years and you know there's stakes to a mid first round pick but you know i remember brandon ingram in his rookie summer league was pretty bad mm-hmm. and you know you and I were higher on him during his rookie season than a lot of other people. But I remember the first game of summer league, he absolutely crushed it. And they were like, okay, we've seen enough. You're fine. Yep. Like what really matters for these guys is how do you look as a second year player? Like if you don't look good in your second year, that can be downright alarming. Right. If you're, if, if you're supposed, especially if, you know, people expect you, it's one thing if you're kind of a specialist, but for a guy like that, that they want to step in and play a kind of a multifaceted role in the rotation, um, you need to show it. Um, and just what he could mean to the optionality that Darvin Ham has, if he, you know, is like I said, a reliable 15 minute a night player, 15 to 20 minutes, um, is just, it's huge. It's like they've acquired a new free agent. It's it's an extra player that they didn't pay for. Look, it's honestly, you know, it remains to be seen. We got to see how he looks in, you know, the preseason and camp and whether he carves out a spot. But in a lot of ways, this is what I expected because I, I liked a lot of what we saw from him as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I understand why he wasn't playing, you know, after late January. The team had been completely revamped. They were fighting really uphill just to get themselves into the play-in mix, much less the playoffs. And, you know, between the experience and and talent of the guys that were brought in and just the way every mistake really matters, particularly that long stretch without LeBron and then, you know, sometimes LeBron and D'Lo, most coaches, including Darvin Ham, would not be playing a 19-year-old second-round one-and-done. No, absolutely not. But I wouldn't have had a problem with Darvin playing him either. Like, I had no desire to see Christie stop playing. Mm-hmm. I just understood why he didn't. But because of that, it doesn't surprise me that he's progressing in a direction that I think the Lakers are really counting on, which is he's in the rotation. Like, I, and, I think they are counting yeah. on him to be at lowest, like an eighth man. 
in this rotation. Yeah, I think eight, nine, ten, somewhere. But like again, like that guy you rely on to play probably somewhere between you know 15, 20 minutes a night. Um, you know, I think if he grows into that in that in a Reevesy sort of way, I'm not talking about like when Reeves then starts in the last you know six weeks of the season is now playing 35 minutes a night. Um, I don't but think the opportunities kind of, will be there for Christie. If not, I, I agree with you. I don't, but you know, I, I think when you one of the things I found so encouraging in terms of what you were talking about and in, in, in the the other skills, if it was just that he was showing up and scoring more, um, I would be less encouraged. But the you know the game on Sunday, for example, he had eleven points. He shot three of ten from the floor. It's not going to get ten shots most games that he plays in the regular season. He had six assists, four rebounds, four blocks, um, and so. It's the ability to do those other things and to be in the right spot and to make the right pass. And what I mean, we can talk about Hood Shafino after the break, but there's it's part of a kind of a trend of the types of players the Lakers, young players the Lakers have been adding that I think is really smart for the type of team and the role that these guys are going to be able to potentially play this year, next year, whatever it might be. Um, so we'll talk about that next. So uh, I mentioned Huchifino, and he had he turned the ball over once on Sunday. He turned the ball over nuns on Friday. So he's got one turnover in his last two games. And somebody made the comparison on the on the YouTube page uh, of him with Andre Miller. Whew. And I, I mean, from his typewriter to God's ears, or, you know, professor to God's social media feed, or whatever it is. Um, and God's a threads guy. He might, I, he might be. Um, maybe he just spends time outside. <laughs> Doesn't really spend that much time on social media. If God uh, is everything people truly think God is, God's not on social media. No, he knows God probably. is smart enough to be off social media. Yeah. Um, and like that is super high price, but I kind of get it in, in the sense of Andre Miller was probably the least flashy, really good player of his era. Yeah. <laughs> like, really good. Um, and good at almost everything. But zero flash to his game. And I think, you know, Hood Shafino's got a little more of, of that in it. But there's very little extra stuff when you watch him play. It's very controlled dribbles. It's not a lot of, you know, he really, it's, as he's gotten a little more comfortable through four games, to me at least, it looks like he's just, there's every, every bit of what you need to make a play, and then the play is made. And if the right pass is the easy pass, that's the pass that gets made. He doesn't force a lot. He doesn't look like he's trying to do spectacular things all the time. He's not super fast. Andre Miller certainly wasn't. Um, but he changes speeds really well. He, you know, plays well in contact inside around people. Under Miller, very good at that. And so, I mean, I get the comparison, but what I love about him, Christie, Castleton, guys like that, it's like they all do a lot of different things. They none of them are dependent on scoring. It looks like to be able to carve out utility. On the floor, and if you're a team like the Lakers, built around LeBron, built around Anthony Davis, you've got Austin Reeves, whatever. That's how you play as a young player: is finding the the little niche 
of, and, and scoring is almost always never going to be the thing that your team needs you to do. At least not right away. Not, yeah, mean, right. It's not while you have those other guys. Well, look, sometimes even while you have those other guys, it became the thing that you needed from Austin Reeves mm -hmm. as a second-year undrafted free agent. So it can be the thing that you need from these other guys. But it didn't what start you, out the thing for him. Well, sure. But what, well, what I was going to say, though, is it can't be the thing that you need right away, mm -hmm. most likely. Like, it may turn into that, but... And I say this as much from these players' perspective as I mean the Lakers' perspective. If it is all of a sudden incumbent on, you know, Jalen Hood Shafino or however much minutes you know he gets Maxwell Lewis or to like or Max Christie or even Christie, to, right? Yeah, to put up eighteen to twenty a night, that is problematic for them as well as it is for mm -hmm. the Lakers because they're not likely in a position where they actually can do that, like. It is important that in, say, three years, Jalen hood Shafino is somebody that you can count on for some scoring in a way that it isn't necessarily for Max Christie or Colin Castleton if he has a real NBA career, just because the stakes of when you took Christie versus the stakes of when you signed Castleton as an undrafted point, yeah. free agent are much lower. Like, there's a certain baseline of future expectations for right. Jalen Hood Shafino that do need but to if be Lewis there. doesn't pan out, okay, his second round pick, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, if Christie might, I mean, if, if, might want her four and a half million dollars back, but. she might. But you know, if even if Christie doesn't quite pan out, you know, comes sort of THT where you're like, almost, but like THT is a, a win for a second round pick, but like there's still you know, that's okay. But if you're right, if you if you blow one of your first round picks on a guy who doesn't develop, that's not good. But what I do, though, I remember when we talked with uh, Jacob Rood from Locked on Hoosiers, who obviously watched Jalen hood Shafino's one season at, at Indiana, he talked about playing at a real measured pace, mm -hmm. and it's his own pace. Like, Jalen hood Shafino does not get, at least so far in what we've seen, really sped up. Like, even his debut game where he was awful from the field, it didn't feel to me like he was sped up in the way Max Christie was clearly sped up during his rookie summer league, which he was frankly pretty terrible. Huchifino just looked like he was missing shots, but it always felt like he was getting the shot that he wanted from the spot on the floor that he wanted. They just yeah. weren't going in. He he just he seems pretty unflappable when he plays. And and that's that's good to see in a in a young 20 year old. Yeah. And look, everybody arranges their team differently. I don't know, but like it, it it is nice that the Lakers have a summer league team in Vegas right now that is seems just better. Like they're got better players. It's fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. But you know, I they all just sort of play smart basketball and do smart things. Demoy Hodge had a, a nice weekend as well. Like yeah. you know, the other the other two way player who, like Cole Swider, is there primarily to shoot, but unlike Cole Swider has shown a little bit more of a of a versatile skill set and a little bit more as a certainly a little bit more as a defender. Yeah. Um, not hard, but still. Um, and Hodge, another guy who is older, which is why he was available. Um, but the Lakers, that's fine. The Lakers don't need him to turn into a top-tier prospect, you know, to make that contract pay out. If he becomes a 10th, 11th, 12th guy in the NBA that you can rely on to come hit some shots and stuff. Okay, that's great. That's a, that's a big win on a two-way deal. Um, you mentioned real quick before we go the Max Lewis 
and uh, Jeannie wanting her money back. That's because the Lakers <laughs> signed him to a four-year deal. This to be clear, they don't. She doesn't want her money back now. No, 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 not yet. Potential uh, end game. No buyer's remorse yet. No, uh, no, that that would be unfair of Jeannie. I mean, it was honest. like the ink is barely dry on that thing. Right. But uh, after years of signing uh, second-round picks to short-term deals and paying for it metaphorically and literally uh the lakers took advantage of uh, new cba rules to uh sign max lewis to a four-year deal uh two years guaranteed two team option or is it two team options after the two player options but two option years after that um in theory at least it's the lakers either getting smarter or taking advantage of the uh of the new cba rules you have a different theory yeah, and look, I preface this by saying I am not an expert on the CBA, so I could very well be missing some just ironclad explanation, and therefore I'm talking out of my hind parts. But <laughs> it did dawn on me that this was the first year in a few where the Lakers have neither a clutch guy as the mid-level exception acquisition nor a clutch guy as the second-round pick. Because very often, the the way Some you could the way for people who don't know this, the way you could end up getting that third year for the second round player is by taking a little bit of that money. It often comes out of the mid level exception fund, and that was not happening while the Lakers had these clutch guys as the mid as the mid level guys. And for example, uh, for example, THT second round player, clutch guy, two year deal. That is more vet. That's more of an advantage for THT than the Lakers. The next year, they didn't have a second-round guy, but they did have Trez, Montrez Harrell, as the clutch mid-level guy. Next year, they have both Kendrick Nunn as the clutch mid-level guy and Austin Reeves as the undrafted two-year deal. Following year, Lonnie Walker, clutch mid-level guy, Max Christie, second-round uh, two-year guy. He's not a clutch guy. Austin Reeves, not a clutch guy. They both have the standard two-year deal. This year... Gabe Vincent, not a clutch guy. Maxwell Lewis, not a clutch guy. And the Lakers did the thing that everybody wants them to do. Again, maybe talking out of my hind parts, but that was not lost on me. Maybe it's coincidence. Maybe it's not. Um, either way, as we mentioned on Monday's show, I, I think Sunday was, I mean, we've seen obviously bits and pieces of it, but Sunday was the day where you got, for whatever reason, the flow of play, the well, it was the best shooting performance for Maxwell Lewis. You know, he hit both of his three pointers. He was five of nine from the floor, but it was filled with holy bleep moments of like that guy. I mean, if you could figure out how to make it work, like you mentioned it after in his first summer league game, there was a couple plays where like he made it from the arc to the rim like two steps it was almost it was amazing it's just, he's really long and super bouncy with big strides and i was like like this guy even by nba standards is a pretty sick athlete um so if they can harness that but like i just know he made some a couple of nice plays decent passes good cuts and you know i i just i like i like what they're doing um and kudos to alex fudge for a couple block shots uh locked on lakers on youtube is where you can go to see the show, we'll continue to be recapping Summer League, catching up on all the news as it happens. Lakers still looking for a center. We'll see how that goes. Um, uh, but yeah, more Summer League. Catch everybody next time.